Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Supremo. Go! Your destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play by play man Dan Dewey and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Well, no time for pomp, no time for circumstance, no time for circums. Circum anything because circumvent circumnavigation of the globe. We got a busy one here on Golasso Supremo. Go. Can't even do the full goal call because we have so much. Uh, to let's talk just about. let's just dive. We're diving in a shallow end. Don't recommend diving in the shallow mm-hmm. end. Feet Usually, first. Yeah, five feet and deeper. Well, <laughs> six for you because you're a, a taller man. And yeah. congratulations on that. Thanks, Jim Kozumar said I had a big carriage, which is probably the most polite way of saying I got a beer gut. That's not bad. Also, a yeah. big. Uh, you know, as Sir Mix a lot would say, <laughs> I like them round and big. And uh, yes, enough yeah. about that. Okay. Deep dive. Where do you want to start? Uh, Tottenham under a new regime. Arsenal with a switcheroo. We've got a draw coming out for Euro 2020 as we go Hugh Downs tonight on 2020. Yeah, let's, Where let's do, you want do to begin? it. Um, good Hugh Downs reference. Thank you. Remember um, that show, 2020? The absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that was a precursor there. And then we had Nightline with Ted Gobble. Dead couple. And Jim uh, Al Campanis. Ah, the blacks don't have the necessities. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, crazily uh, timely in this uh, current culture. I know. We'll think about this. The Correria dello Sport, the number one magazine in Italy, put out a, a cover that said Black Friday in English, talking about how Lukaku was at Inter and Chris Smalling is now at Roma. And uh, they've had to apologize uh, for saying that. They thought it was kind of a funny twist on words, but uh, no, didn't work. Nothing funny about that at all. And unfortunately, the culture in which we live, the climate in which we live, mm-hmm. still somehow harbors these overt racist sentiments. And, you know, international soccer is really one of the biggest havens for this activity, not only in Syria, but also in other countries across Europe. Yes. But you're right. Let's get into the switch at Arsenal. How about that Unai Emery run after a milk toast as we mm-hmm. look for a... With a Q. Yeah, thank you. A Q-U-E. Don't <laughs> sleep on the... In, in between the milk and the toast. You right. got to have the, Q, the little uh, accent in there. Sure. But uh, Emery out. Arsenal's fortunes hopefully changing by the hour as they're uh, heading to the pitch as we speak. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's interesting about that is that on the one hand... Uh, you have these crazy Arsenal fans. Every every fan base has their stupidity wing. And I put um, Piers Morgan in that. And all he did for years was want Arsene Wenger out. And as a Tottenham fan, I was all for it. Because I don't care for Arsenal. And Arsene Wenger is a fantastic coach. And sometimes at the end of a run, you think, oh, he's outstayed his welcome. But I was thinking, okay, maybe he's not as successful. But whoever they get is going to be worse. And so this is what they wanted. They wanted the guy out. And now they have this carousel. But think about this, and I was very surprised. When he was fired, Unai Emery's winning percentage in the Premier League was 49%. 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's winning percentage in the Premier League is 27.3%. Currently sitting at 27.3. Yeah. Well, after beating Tottenham, I think that's probably pumped up a little bit. But still, it just goes to show you Shout that... Shout out Hans and Franz. Pump you up. <laughs> I'm just here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so... But the, the fact of the matter is, is that under 50% does not get it done at any level. Right, especially when you're one of the big six clubs. And mm-hmm. to do it at this point, this juncture, while we're ahead of the January transfer window... Might Arsenal be looking toward that? I know they're going to go with an interim manager for the time being, but what does the immediate future hold for Arsenal as it pertains to trying to stay in the, the mix for a possible Champions League berth? And they're just underway against Brighton, Hoven, Albion, uh, nil-nil in the early goings. Newcastle up early on the shoe, as we call in my house, Sheffield United. <laughs> the shoe. Your pick to click, by the way, and currently sitting in sixth position in the table. Yeah. That game also underway as we speak, but Arsenal, the future immediate and from a manager standpoint. Well, I mean, they've got a former player interim running them out right now. I know they've been looking at um, Allegri and they were talking about maybe getting uh, Riso Pochettino. It was just confirmed today, and I don't know what confirmed means, but that Bayern Munich will not be hiring the Argentine who went back to Argentina for 10 days. He went to a Newell's Old Boys game, just kind of hung out, went to his ranch, and now he's he's back in it again. I don't know what Arsenal is, is going to do firing a manager midterm. I mean, you got what the third highest striker in the Premier League and Pierre uh, Emmerich Aubameyang. I mean, they've got some talent on that team. But I think when they saw Tottenham make the move for Mourinho and then win a couple games, I think it was sort of like they looked 4 miles down the road in North London and said, maybe we should do that too. And that is what we call in the business world the dead cat bounce you're looking mm. for when you're 10th in the table. The DCB. Table. Thank you, DCB, baby! <laughs> Type of dandy! All right, Dickie little, V. Yeah, little Dickie V <laughs> for your Golasso Supremo. Oh, Supremo, baby! Michelangelo with the midfield, baby! <laughs> He's a diaper dandy, baby! <laughs> Still one of my great selfies I have, have ever taken. Really? Dickie V and I from, I think, the 09 Final Four. This is before selfies were called selfies. Right. I just happened to uh, turn. I you had to turn your camera around back then, and yes. then blindly push the button. But I, have, I, I uh, did that with uh, Mourinho. I showed you that picture. Yeah, yeah, with his one. eyes closed. Yeah, and now he is your skipper as we shift yeah. our shift gears to the new manager. And by the way, also breaking news today: Everton has fired its manager. Whoa! Yeah, this happened in the last uh, ten or fifteen minutes. Wow! The news became official. Shout out Sky Sports. For that one, but uh, the special one, Marco now, Silva. Yes, Marco Silva. Marco Silva, no longer <laughs> at Everton. But uh, we'll get mm-hmm. to Marco Silva in a moment. But first, the special one now presiding over Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Pretty game effort yesterday against Man U. Your thoughts about Mourinho at Tottenham and and what moves he might make in the January transfer window? Well, I mean, it, it's what I said before about. Poach getting fired is that you can turn this around in a couple of weeks. We, we, nothing really counts till Christmas. He wins two games and he goes from 14th to 5th. And you go, oh, what a genius. And I'm like, well, I understand things were flat. I thought that the former skipper had built up some equity. But anyway, that's water under the bridge. He's gone now. Uh, Mourinho has, he's one of these guys that comes in and and you know has this amazing relationship. I mean, he was high-fiving Olympiacos players as they were leaving the pitch. He's a celebrity. 
And my team has had some famous managers. They never had a celebrity manager that has commercials and things like that. So they take this kid, Colin Hines. He's a 15 year old ball boy, the one that threw it on. They, that, so they could, sorry, so they could get the goal. It's my first day in radio. So they could get the goal against uh, Olympiacos. Um, he's just, he's an all encompassing, uh, guy. Um, but then again, he's not perfect. And you saw at Man United, they lost. And I got to say, the, the Sissoko penalty call was, Extremely weak, but uh, what are you going to do? Well, you, you a foul's a foul. Can't win every game. He, I guess he stepped on the guy's foot. It's just that when the guy takes two more steps, it was one more step. But I'm totally with. Down. I'm sympathetic yeah. to your plight because I watched it in real time at the 2101 mm-hmm. in Oakland. Uh, shout out Fruitvale. Oh, there you go, Fruitvale MacArthur, one of the great. You local weren't at the golf spots. course. No, I didn't quite make it to the hole for that event. I thought about <laughs> it, but I went 2101 instead. Uh, a little bit. Better day spot, TV mm-hmm. proximity, etc. Mm-hmm. But as I'm watching that, and you see it happen in real time, and you think that's just the cost of doing business in the Premier League or a major league. And then, because of our beloved VAR, we know that we have to take a look at it in excruciatingly mm-hmm. painful yet 1080 4K, whatever <laughs> it is, 4K. Dude, I got a 4K plasma, 70 inches. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're looking at it through, you see it, and he stomps the foot. He takes one step, and then the pain. Oh, the pain! And I must William, go down. William, the pain. Yeah. Oh, the pain. Oh, the pain. Lost in space. Shut Thank up. you. Uh, well, Doctor Smith. I, <laughs> I will say this: uh, that VAR was three seconds. I it mean, was the they, right call when you look at it. Letter of the law: a stomp, a fall, yeah. box PK. As I do my Joe Buck, foul, whistle, <laughs> penalty. <laughs> You do Steve Albert. He stops. Yes. He pops. It drops. <laughs> yes, that's oh, Marv. Yeah, I've got. Uh, so I, I'm just. I'm, I'm just going to. I know usually you're running the show. I'm just going to throw these things at you no, because you got great. so much a little, stuff. A little pick and pop. Here. We had the Ballon d'Or, France football, and that's what they call it in English. They have. They started the Ballon d'Or, the gold ball, to recognize the best player in the world. Yeah. Second time ever. They've given it to a woman. Shout out the Northern California native, Reading Zone, Megan Rapino, the greatest soccer player in the world. Congratulations to her. She couldn't go to the event, but she did a little video. But how about Lionel Messi with his sixth? You could do Cristiano Ronaldo every year. He got it and vice versa. Cristiano Ronaldo has it five. The only outlier, as the kids say in the last 13 years, is last year with Luka Modric kind of squeezing in there with a nice World Cup. Yes, yes. But growing up, you and I, Cruyff had three, Michel Platini had three, and Marco Van Basten had three. And that was it. Now we got these two guys who are dominating the last decade and a half. Truly, truly dominating. And they'll go down as two of the ten best players of all time for certain. Now, do you put these two among the top five of all time? That's where the debate begins because ultimately you need to have both club success, and international success, in my opinion, to be among the true, true elite players. When you talk about the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of greatest players of all time, but let's put that discussion aside for a moment. Let me okay. just say this. Mm-hmm. Virgil van Dyke was wronged. Virgil van Dyke had the greatest season last year and should have won the Ballon d'Or. And the, the reason is he played for the best team, the team that won in Europe, and has continued to be unprecedentedly dominant in the domestic league. He scores with his head. He is the best defender in the world, bar none. He has not single-handedly resurrected the Netherlands, but he certainly has helped their plight internationally. I thought that this was a year where you've given it to Messi, 
You've given it to Ronaldo. Neither had a truly transcendent year, but this defender, he was truly special in my opinion. There's there's no doubt that he was in he did come in third. By the way, shout out Sun Young came in twenty second. And shout out bronze medalists everywhere, including Azerbaijan in various Olympics. He <laughs> he deserved better than the bronze, Rick. Well, I th- it's sort of like, you know those years when there's no Rookie of the Year, so Bobby Crosby gets it for hitting two fifty four. Wow. And then you get a year where there's six guys that deserve to be Rookie of the Year. I think, first of all, I don't think a defender is, is ever going to win it, unless it's a guy like Hullet, who was a striker, who then turned himself into a sweeper. And man, was he heroic in his last days at Sampdoria. But um, you're just you're not going to win that award when those two guys are in there, I kind of thought Modric was kind of a Steve Nash thing. Like, how how is Steve Great Nash going to win an MVP when LeBron and Kobe are in the league? It was kind of a little shout out. But I, I just want to throw and this. He got two, by the way, Nash. Yeah, he did. Great white. And it's not it's not his fault that people voted for him just because he was white. Anyway, it's a discussion for another day. Uh, and plus, they take the most valuable thing too literally. Well, who was valuable to me? It means best player, but I guess it's a semantic. Well, and again, for the value of Van Dyke to what Liverpool yeah. does, ultimately their offense steals all the headlines with Mo Salah and Bobby Firmino and all the weaponry. Mane they have. was Sadio fourth. Mane. Sadio Mane is the truth now. Fourth. Shout out Senegal. Can you feel me? But mm-hmm. when you look at why that team is able to sustain week after week competition after competition it's because of vvd not bbd right do me baby or var no it's vvd virgil van dyke and that's why i felt like he was wronged in my household he's the true winner of the ballon d'or well listen if he had won it i wouldn't have cried let me just throw this at you real quick for uh messi uh 701 games for barcelona 614 goals let me just ask you this how many hat tricks has he had for barcelona I would say he's had 106. No. <laughs> that would be amazing. 52. Oh, wow. Yeah, 52 hat tricks, 70 goals for Argentina. Um, he's an amazing player. And uh, yes, he will never be Maradona because Maradona won the World Cup, but still uh, an amazing player. We'll throw this at you now. Look at him go. This is Golasso Supremo. Rick Tittle's straight taking over in we, episode 37. Well, we took a Thanksgiving off, and these things are piling up. You're running hot. The. Premier League announced that referees may, under a radical new proposal, talk to the fans and explain VAR, not unlike what they do in the NFL. In the NFL, it's more cut and dried. The receiver never had possession of the ball. The call stands. After further review... But I could just see in England, heretofore notwithstanding, if you take a look at that chap as he rose up from the surface, did he have the ball at all? I don't think he did. However, I mean, it might be something like that. Yeah, no, can... I think you're spot on, quite frankly. <laughs> but and what do you think about that? I think We it... want to know. What are you looking at? You know, ultimately, we really don't want to know, I don't think. because <laughs> So we go to VAR and uh... you know he's listening to it in the headset. And you get the ruling, and before they put it up on the screen now, you'll see him tap his hip or turn the mic on, mm-hmm. and then we'll hear Mike Dean, mm-hmm. or we'll hear you know, Martin Atkinson, as <laughs> we like to go. say, some of our favorite referees. Sure. And I don't necessarily need to hear from them, because it's usually pretty apparent, the player's shin was ahead of the last defender, <laughs> therefore offside is called no goal. <laughs> I don't know if we really need to hear that. To me, it's just another cumbersome stoppage to a game that... In my opinion, the best part about the game, or one of the best parts about 
the game is that there are no stoppages. No. T- okay, we've, we've reached the under eight timeout. 27-21 Orlando. We'll be right back here from the Amway Center. Right. You get 45 minutes plus the imaginary stoppage. Do what you want to do. We'll be back for 45 more. That The purity of it is what I love. So the VAR is a hindrance. And, you know, having the, after further review, <laughs> the yes. goal stands. The, uh, that's why they call it the beautiful game. And we have, in America, we have so much control. To me, the worst example of that, the opposite of that, is in basketball. I remember when I first, when I played high school basketball, I'd get the ball, they'd score, and I'd about to inbound it. The referee would be like, give it to me. Why? And then he'd hand it right back to me. Why does the referee have to take the ball? It's just this control. This is why we are, we're finally unchained and can run around a soccer pitch. So I hear you. And the other one that I'd like to see change, and this is on a much, much more minor level, but can we go back to the time where the referee physically is a neutral force? Now that we have the ball contacting the referee, we have to immediately stop down and throw in this imaginary drop ball to the team that had the ball anyway. Right. You get the ball back. Now, I understand if the referee deflects a sure pass that's going from one player to another and hits off his leg and goes to the other team. We can stop that. We can go ahead and make that judgment and say, you know what? That's my bad. I didn't get out of the way. They get the ball. But in general, every single contact, if a team's threatening, now we have to stop it. And it just ruins the run of play. No, I hear you. And forever, the ref was considered a part of the field. Right, until I think last year. Yeah, it is. I agree with you. That's dumb change. Really stupid. Stupid, dumb, idiotic. Let's get into the Euro draw. Let's talk about it, Rick, because it came out, and this is a competition that we all love and adore. Hopefully, my beloved Iceland got a decent (laughs) draw. I believe they did make it in, but... Talk to me, Rick. What what pops for you with the draw? Well, they have to do the uh, the playoffs first before they they get in. But here's the thing: uh, normally, a country hosts it. They're doing this weird thing where lots of different countries will host. They're going to have the final and the semifinals in London at Wembley. But you're going to have games in Amsterdam. You're going to have games in Paris. You're going to have games in Munich. It's going to be all over the place. It's maybe that's the way it should be. I don't know. But the group of death. In, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> you My have God. three former winners, Portugal, France, and Germany, two of them World Cup winners, against the winner of Playoff A. Which Good luck is, with that. <laughs> but other way, otherwise, uh, I mean, you can go through the whole standings and, and look yourself, but... Um, I like the fact that each group outside of uh, two will have a uh, a playoff winner. And now I don't know about is Iceland still allowed alive in the playoffs right now. I'd have to check. I th- yeah. I thought they were. I thought they had qualified for that. But just looking at at your group F scenario right now, you open up with the playoff winner against Portugal in Budapest, which is not a bad spot yeah. for the potential playoff winner. You've been there Tuesday, yeah. I've Buda been to, and uh, Pest. Buda, not Pest. Ah, uh, you didn't. We go- looked at Pest. <laughs> From across the river, and I said, "That's a pash. I'm gonna pash on pash." There is a reason as I, as why. I do my mic, my my mic, my yak. Is that the mic, my yak? A little bit of sh- either, little bit. Of- either you're all in, or you're all out. He's got a little bit of a lisp in there. Old Mike Mayock, Does love he? him for that. Yeah, Mayock, by the way, is Bulgarian for lisp, so it's not. A- <laughs> wow, I'd have to <laughs> Google that, but I don't yeah. have time. Uh, June 16th, France v Germany. Mm. At Munich, how fair is that? Well, in, in a competition that's supposed to be largely neutral, as you as you get a screw loose over there. Frankly, literally, <laughs> literally. Nice. 
Franco Prussian War, World War One, World War Two, Euro 2020. When was the last time France won in Germany? And I don't mean just football, obviously. Uh, that's a uh, that's a good question. 18th I don't know. century. Um, we go back to Napoleon. I'd have days. to go Austerlitz, but I think that was Austria. Good call. Yeah, good call. But that's to me. If we're going to have a, a competition that's quote unquote fair, mm-hmm. why would you have France and Germany playing? In Munich. Well, this is the thing, too. They have these balls in little pots, and they're supposed to be seeding. And I know that maybe Portugal didn't have the greatest campaign, but how these three can be in three pots where they all meet each other seems a little bit ludicrous. In Germany, Luda? Germany with three home games, by the way, in the group. Wow. Uh, they'll have the playoff team as the third match. They've got Portugal in Munich. They've got France in Munich. Mm. Come on into Munich. Come on to Munich. It's beautiful in June, which it is beautiful in June, by the way. Yes. And uh, I think I sent you a picture. I drove by the Allianz yes. uh, Arena when I was just in Munich uh, a few weeks ago. But uh, And the German exciting. side will be comprised of probably half the team will be players who play in that stadium for their club <laughs> campaign as well, just to make it even more unfair. It probably will be. And the other thing is, too, is that we'll see some new faces there as well. I just hope Joachim Love doesn't do what he's done the last two tournaments. One was he ate a booger, and the other one was he put his bare hand straight down his pants to do an adjustment while he's on the sideline. Look, I know sometimes we have to adjust. You're a man just like me, but not during the game standing on the sideline. It's just very European. Especially when you then go in for the resultant sniff just to see what the uh, general... (laughs) Barometric pressure in the I don't know if he did a Mary Catherine Gallagher there, but yeah. No, I think he might have brought it in for a quick little how you doing. Yeah, bring it up uh, (laughs) one time. Rick Tittle, Dan Dibley, Golasso Supremo talking about Euro 2020. The the playoff semifinals won't be contested until March, so we still have some time to decide. It's uh, Bulgaria and Hungary against the winner of Iceland-Romania, so Iceland is still in it. That'd be in the playoff finals. Of course, Bosnia and Herzegovina against Northern Ireland. The winner will take on Slovakia and the Republic of Ireland. Shout out my good Irish people. Hope they get through. Scotland and Israel. The winner will play Go Tartan Army. the victor between Norway and Serbia. And Path D, Georgia v. Belarus against the winner of North Macedonia and Kosovo. That... Uh, Path D, perhaps the softest. Speaking of Jim Kosovo. Now, here's something to keep in mind. Russia may be banned because WADA is looking into that stuff that started in the Olympics with performance-enhancing substances. FIFA is now talking to WADA, and that doesn't mean that uh, Yoda is talking to... It sounds like the Mandalorian. (laughs) I don't know if you've been keeping up on that. (laughs) No, I I haven't seen it, but I I know what it is. I know that uh, (laughs) some comedians are in that. By the way, another little shout-out I want to give Harry Harry Kane. Quickest... To 20 Champions League goals in history. 24 games. The old record, Alessandro Del Piero with 26. There's one other thing I wanted to get to. Unless you got something else. What do you got? No, you're doing great. Okay. You're doing great. I do want to look ahead to the the great week in Premier League action, including the Manchester Derby. But your tidbits have been fantastic. We will. Tittle's Tidbits brought to you by... Uh, Nip Guards. There you go. For those, uh, I was going to say Cheez-Its. For those days on the trail when you might be chafing, <laughs> try Nip Guards. Cover those babies up and prevent nipple chafing. Back to you, Rick. Now in mint. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. All right. Uh, I don't either. I threw it out there. I want to give a shout out to the penalty shootout record between Taunton Town and Truro City 
non-league match, which equaled the record, and that was thirty-four to thirty-three. And how can you get an exciting match played in front of two hundred people? Do that. So just I know we forget about these non-league teams because they're semi-pro, but I just want to give a little Galasso Supremo tip of the cap. Taunton Town and Truro City in England. Who ended up winning? Taunton Town? Taunton Town, and then they taunted Tatanka? them. Tatanka? Of course. Tatanka? <laughs> yes. Not Dunbar. No. <laughs> John, Dun- John, not, John Dunbar. Not Dunbar. 34-33. How many rounds did it go? Do you have that information? How many misses? I mean, obviously it went to where it could have been, heck, it could have been 70 rounds with miss after miss. Well, Probably it, about 42 rounds, I would guess. Uh, the thing that that's most exciting is that Taunton Town missed their very first one. Mm. Okay? And then Truro City missed their last three. That means that Taunton Town missed two, and then they they hit their 34th. So they each missed their 32nd and their 33rd. Wow. So I would imagine, because as the rules go, you can't pull someone off the bench. So you go 1 through 11, the goalie's in there at some point. Yeah. And then you go again. But do you go same order? Or do you, you have to, to go same order. You can't reconstruct? No, you got to keep going. And then the list repeats and the list repeats. There's a philosophy. Now batting. <laughs> Diego Torres. There it is. The, Torres. The, uh, the list, uh, there's a philosophy, uh, keep your best shooter last to clinch it. And I'm like, you might not get there. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Put your best shooter first. Yeah, although yeah. If, he, if he kicks fifth, he'll also kick 16th. And he'll also kick twenty seven. So, okay. and you you may need him for that thirty fourth. So this is get, like Larusa. I'll bat my pitcher eighth. Totally, exactly. <laughs> because then I got a leadoff hitter ninth. And if really, if you're at that level, your goalie might be your best PK taker. So he might actually be in the top five anyway. We've seen that before. Yes. Yeah, with goalkeepers uh, coming out aggressive. By the way, Newcastle up one uh, nil mm. on the shoe, the really big shoe. Mm. Hello, everybody. Fifty third minute, Arsenal and Brighton nil nil. In the first uh, fixture post Unai Emery. Howway the lads at the Toon Army St. James's Park. We've got a little time left, Rick, so let's look ahead let's to it. match day 16 in the Premier League. We're already almost darn near halfway through this season. It makes season. me sad. It flies by, y'all. It does fly by. And you look at different fixtures. You've got Liverpool, the, the leaders of the pack. Row. As we go to 60s rock and roll there. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking on Bournemouth. Bournemouth at Liverpool. Any concern there for uh, for the mighty Reds? Well, n- n- not tangible. But still, in this league, you take your eyes off anybody and they'll punch you in the mouth. Maybe a, li- a letdown spot with Liverpool. Or should I say kick you in the crotch? It is soccer. It's a humiliating kick in the crotch. Yes. You've got Everton and Chelsea. Coming up uh, Saturday, first game. Which blue team should we watch? Right, and which blue team will show up now that Marco Silva has been sacked? The second uh, is it the second manager this season to be sacked in the Premier League, or have we had uh, well, we, more sackings? Well, we had let's see, Pochettino was sacked, and we had uh, uh, Dick Gazinia yeah, at Bournemouth. Yeah. I think, I don't know, is there another one that was sacked? I'm not sure. I didn't mean to catch you uh, no, short-sighted. Right. No, I feel like I know they're... when you go dick is in you that normally <laughs> that's when you're leaking oil and you may not have the answer. Uh, this is usually like when I get to the 16th hole, I, I want to go home already. Right, yeah. right. Not even holding out for that last birdie or dare I say you make an ace. I just hope there's a par three to keep me interested. Saturday we got Spurs hosting Burnley. That mm-hmm. should be That should be a pretty... 
efficient day at the office for your Spurs? I, you don't know what you're going to get out of these guys. You know, I don't think there's a Mourinho revolution yet, but Deli Ali has been playing amazing. His goal yesterday was one of the his second best goal ever, the one against Crystal Palace at Saulhurst Park. I remember going on the crossover talking about that goal with the three amigos. Look at you over at the old studio. Spectacular. And Deli Alley had a couple in the Champions League as well midweek, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So he's on a nice little heater. Four and four games. He had that assist where he was laying on his side and kicked it uh, for a goal. Uh, one of the best assists. Of course, that'd be a hockey assist. It would be two back. Yeah. But- but an amazing pass, let's say. Does Mourinho have a better idea of how to use Deli Alley and what other moves have you seen early on that tend to portend well for your side? Well, he he doesn't use a lot of... Uh, he does use Erickson because Erickson is good, but he's not his guy. He definitely likes Serge Aurier as a winger. He likes playing with wingbacks. I haven't seen Danny Rose recently. Uh, Danny Rose stinks. <laughs> that's why someone finally... He gave Eric Dyer a little bit of a run out just because Eric Dyer grew up in Portugal, speaks Portuguese, and he's a big, tough kid. But I think he realizes he's not the most athletic guy. I love the fact that he'll play... Uh, with uh, Sonny and uh, Lucas Moore and Harry Kane all up together. Agreed. Three great strikers. Um, and then Deli Alley brings that spice to the stew that they've definitely needed. He definitely needs that. And then we found out also that he's not a big fan of uh, Tangi and Debele just yet. Um, and Sissoko got a little bit of a run yesterday. He hadn't, and right. he gives up a penalty again. And playing uh, Toby, but not Jan, at the back. That's a good point as well. Alder Vild back there. And, and i got to tell you, Davinson Sanchez, so far this year, our best defender by Pretty far. darn sturdy. It's tough to get that guy off the ball. For a 21-year-old, the class, the the maturity, running guys down. For a guy that big to be that fast, I mean, he's really... But this is why Ajax found him in Colombia of all places. It's just amazing, these scouts. Manchester Derby, uh, before we depart, you've got it at the Etihad, 9.30 Saturday. I'm sure you're working, if I'm not mistaken. You'll probably be live on radio at that oh, juncture, but who do you sure. like? You know what? I'm going to go uh, with the the, uh, the light blues there at Eastlands. I'm going to go with the Citizens this time. Manchester United coming off a nice, sturdy win over Tottenham, 2-1 mm-hmm. midweek. And then Sunday, Villa and Leicester. Leicester on the road. You've got Norwich and the Shoe, and then Monday the Hammers <laughs> taking on Arsenal. As we get into the real meat of the schedule between now and Boxing Day, of course, the day after Christmas, and then the January transfer window. This might be my favorite time of the year for the Premier League, Rick, because you get midweek action, you get weekend action. It's Action Jackson. It's Action Jackson, yes. Uh, a great uh, uh, little uh, action figure in the 70s, smaller than G.I. Joe. And then, of course, a movie in the 70s with Carl Weathers. Remember that one? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Who was the, the chick in that one? Uh, there was that one girl. It was uh, <laughs> Dina Gazinia. <laughs> I was going to say. It was one of the Gazinia twins. <laughs> it was one of the Gazinia <laughs> sisters. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.